from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bad. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I am Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. <laughs> five it's years later. Five years later. <laughs> All right, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot of support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the, fanta- the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the for a link above our homepage and join today, or use the uh, checkout code blind ninja studios. All right. Also, I'm going to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Hoffenbrill Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, Phil Feldman, and Tyler Romanski. Uh, becoming a patron uh, at uh, any level is awesome. If you are at the $5 level or more, you get to join in on the live recording sessions, uh, like our friends Andy Higginbottom, who's in the chat right now. Uh, if you like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com. patron today. It really helps us out, and it's fantastic. I think I said all the things I need to say there twice. So, Brian, what have you been up to beer-related? Jeez. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot, man, huh? Nope. What about you? <laughs> oh, just, like, <laughs> throwing that? You're like, no, literally. No. How about I shut that down? I used it all up last week, and I should have thought of something, but, you know. That well, you, we uh, so before the show today, we went out to uh, Pitchfork Brewing. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Uh, I, I went to Pitchfork today. Yes. I, oh, they had a uh, third stall pale ale dry hopped. Um, that's yep. what I had to uh, And their firkin uh, was an English porter yeah. on ginger, which was actually really good. I didn't try that one. I did the American Gothic. I did two of those yep. third stall. I like anything... anything well, did was it like wet hopped? Probably. This knowing time of year. knowing Mike and knowing this time of year, that might have oh man, I should text him. Yeah. Anyway, I love Pitchfork. I said that a bunch of times, and I think one of the reasons is because their food is un- unbelievable. And we were talking to uh one of the guys behind the bar and he was talking about Mike making this sauce for the pizza and how like the eighth ingredient finally was like tomato. So I don't the, know. Well, and we ate that pizza, and it was so good. Yeah, we did. It and was they, stupid good. They, they do the work to, to make good beer and good pizza. So um, I also want to give a big shout-out to another local brewery, The Garage. Uh, they have Blind Ninja Tropical Stout on currently. Oh, really? Yep, uh, which is <laughs> our uh, or my tropical stout recipe uh, that I collaborated with them last year, and uh, they brewed it again this year oh, because nice. That's kinda neat. Like, it sold really well, and we want to do it again. So I'm like, hell yeah, uh, do it. Okay. He even yeah. asked me, like, hey, is it okay? I'm like, fuck yeah, of course it's okay. It's okay. Like, you could probably just say, hey, I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we went in the other day uh, and had a few pints, nice. and it is... It's honestly better than I brewed it. So Ellis knows what he's doing, and yeah. he's doing a really good job. Cool. Um, yeah, beyond that, I am getting ready to travel again. Yeah. So We're going to Florida. Yeah. Huh? My uh, my fermenters are currently empty, uh, but I'm planning on what I'm going to do next. And honestly, I think it's going to be that uh, porter that we came up with in the last episode. Also, I'm still uh, working on my quest to brew the perfect Pilsner. Um 
and I think I'm, I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, I think my last one would have been there if I didn't have a random ass Brettomyces infection in my brewery. So I scrubbed everything down and like cleaned everything up and hopefully solved that problem. Oh, the foibles of brewing. And the foibles of brewing. Uh, but yeah, we'll make Brian. Uh, we're gonna wait for the coldest day of the year, and then we're gonna get Brian to brew <laughs> on a live stream. I have so. brewed in in some year. Many, many years ago, I brewed on the hottest day and the coldest day. Had a real, real tough time uh, on the coldest day keeping the, the mash tun up to temp. That was um, a real pain. Yeah, I moved mine in, into the doors. Oh, man. Those were back. That was back in the days when, like, everyone was like, you're home brewing? And then all these people would come over. Oh, God, I remember those days. Those days yeah. sucked. And you're like, oh, my God, everybody go away. Like, Yeah, I just want to do my thing. That's when it became like a solitary activity for me. Yep. Uh, yeah, I I was, yeah, during the 80s style challenge. Is, oh, my gosh, yeah. We'll have to do like, uh, we'll have to do an episode of like brew day rituals or something, I think. <laughs> Like, that'd be fun, yeah, kind of fun. actually. There you go. Good episode. It'd be a good episode. Um, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about brewing for competition. It's not something that Brian and I do often, um, but we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, Brian is a really good resource for this because he's judged a bunch of competitions, and the best way to win a competition is to play the judges. Yeah, j- the best way to win a competition is to like, just enter it, period. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you can't win if you don't enter. Yeah. But first, uh, we have a commercial calibration for y'all. Oh. We have some Kirin Ichiban. I, it's been a long time. It's a Japanese lager. This is first press beer? What does that mean? It says they use only the most flavorful portion of the finest ingredients. First pressed, 100% malt. Okay, all right, well, we'll see. All right. Oh, this, is a, this is a fun way of doing the date of birth. You only let them choose 21 or higher. <laughs> <laughs> or lower, like, that's perfect. All right, so this is pouring out, and it is a golden and clear. Uh, the head is... Not tight at all. It is big, huge, big bubbles. Bubbly. Uh, very white head. Um. So I'm looking for uh, their uh, their stuff or like I guess any kind of more information. And yeah, on their website it just says 100% malt beer with the first press method. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. That's fascinating. First pressed beer. What? First press beer. Premium Japanese. 100% malt. First press method. All right. First and best in Japanese. Ichiban. That's what that means. Oh, okay. Um, uh, first pressed liquid from the moment ingredients to their peers. So uh, basically, like if you're doing a partigile, first runnings. Wasn't that like... Okay, and then what? They dilute it then, or so? Like what I looked was first press describes the craft extracting only the first press of liquid from the malt when ingredients are at their purest, much like extra virgin olive oil. Most brewers. Yeah, I'm on that. That's the that's the Australian site, right? I don't. Uh, Curieaus dot com dot au for first pressed beer. Yeah, first and second pressed malt. I don't really 
I'm I'm taking it as part of guile. Like you're doing, you have you have like the like your first runnings. Yeah, and that's fine if you want to do it that way. But like, if you're having a beer this light, then you need to like dilute dilute it. the shit out of it. Yeah, like uh, like Bud Light, like uh, Budweiser does with their beer. They don't have a magic wand that extracts alcohol from it. They just add water in. Oh, I told. Well, yeah, I told that story on the yeah. podcast. So, all right, it smells like a beer. You know what it smells like? Uh, it smells like Modelo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you talk for one second. Are you going to go get a Modelo? Okay. His, so we're in the studio and if you're not seeing this, he's going to run and grab a Modelo. I thought he was going to go to the garage. That's super weird. Well, I'm all alone here in the studio. Um, talking about, uh, Kieran beer, 5%. Um, what style is this? Japanese Pilsner style. Ichiban means number one. I really do. I really feel like Garth right now when Wayne leaves the studio and they left me on camera. <laughs> so uh, I said a lot of important stuff when Casey was gone and now he's back. All right. I had to move the Modelo to the upstairs fridge so Brian would stop drinking it all. Bullshit. <laughs> That's so untrue. <laughs> You had people over for games, and you put this upstairs. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. I Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know you well enough. While you were gone, I, I said that I felt like Garth when Wayne left the studio. <laughs> it's kind of what happened. <laughs> I was like, I'm okay. <laughs> All right. And yeah, and I referenced These smell the, exactly the same. I, I told you. I told you. Yes. Whoa. See? No wonder I like hearing Ichiban so much. Yeah, is my is my nose good or is my nose good? Your like, nose is great, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, so that's Modelo. People want to argue, like, with 20 years of experience with beer and craft beer, they mm. can go jump in They away. do not taste the same. Uh-uh, they don't. Not even a little bit. This came, All of a sudden, this turned into a comparison. Um, yep. It really did. Yeah. This is very full bodied. This Kieran. It is. It's super full bodied. I mean, that was like not. Holy moly! These are very like vastly different. They smell exactly the same. Yeah. This, um, well, this Kieran, first of all, is a little bit on the warm side too mm-hmm. for us, but I don't think necessarily that would push like more body into it. No. You know, but. This is a very, very full flavored. Like it's, I could get very full drinking a, a, a few of these. Hmm. Like it's a really good. So uh, the only time I really drink Kirin um, or Sapporo are when I'm having sushi. Yeah. Well, we go to that one sushi place and we get those big tall we go to glasses Sapporo. of Sapporo. Yep. We go to Sapporo and get Sapporo. Okay. Yeah. I haven't like. I'm not sure if the brewery owns. I'm not really sure on that one, but they have the same name. So. Interesting. Uh, but sometimes, like, they're out of support and we have to get Kieran. And so, this is this a rice beer then? I don't know. Because it, it says 100% right on malt. The bottle that it's 100% malt, but isn't. So, it's not a rice beer. Okay. And so, I, so tasting this, I'm guessing 100% Pilsner malt? It has to be Pilsner malt because there's that like there's that breadiness there. Okay, because rice isn't malt. Yeah, is malted rice malt? <sighs> <laughs> Not according to the Reinheitsgebot. 
<laughs> God. Oh. I, he's just looking at me. I don't know. Like, I don't know don't ask me about. stupid fucking questions. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, anyway, Kieran. Right, anyway, Kieran Ichiban. Uh, this yeah, is a great beer. Su- surprisingly full-bodied. Uh, very good. Um, it's really good. Finish is very dry. Mm-hmm. Like that's this- what leads me to believe that there's mineral too. There, there's a mineralness on the back end this that is- I'm not the biggest fan of. What a unique beer, huh? Yeah. Uh, quickly dissipating head. But yep. like uh, yeah. lacing kind of sticks around a little bit. It's that big, those big wide bubbles. So yep. All right, we did an episode on that. We sure did. Uh, yeah. Huh. Interesting. It's fantastic. Uh, if you haven't had it, uh, grab it. Yeah, uh, we'll hope. do Sapporo uh, soon. So you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Used to. And it comes in the big like steel cans. Yeah. There's a whole lot of used to these days with the, especially with imports. But mm-hmm. you know. well, we went to. Uh, uh, Chaconis and Chaconis has everything. Chaconis has everything. Uh, on DOO today, we're having an Icelandic beer. So, oh, which one? Uh, and a supporter. Oh, Icelandic porter. So, if you want to stick around for DOO, you're welcome to. I wish I could. You always can. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's let's talk about our topic though. Okay, because that seems more important than whatever the hell else we're talking about. It does. All right, so uh, we're talking about how to brew for competition. So, you've decided to enter a competition. You're like, hey, I've been brewing for a while. I want to see how I stack up against other brewers, which, I mean, it's a good thing to do. Like, it's a great way to get feedback on your beer um, that's not from your friends because, let's be honest, your friends are just happy that they're getting free beer. That's, though, that's getting less, and this might just be a me thing, but my friends are getting pickier and pickier about what beer they'll drink, (laughs) and, like, I mean, 10 years ago, it would be like, hey, there's free beer. And now they're like, oh, you don't have this pastry stout? Fuck you. I'm like, God damn it. Who uh, are these people? I don't know. Are they Actually, really it's, your it's friends. No, it's just really just Matt. He's like, you got hams? Oh, <laughs> just Matt. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's been on his European tour. He'll be back uh, for the 10th anniversary show. Very nice. Uh, All right. So yeah. first thing you need to do is you need to decide you need to decide what style to brew. Um, and then there's a few questions you should ask yourself here. Like one, what styles are you most comfortable brewing? So you're brewing for competition. This is different than brewing for yourself. You're brewing to win something. You're not brewing to like have something that you really necessarily enjoy drinking. Right. Yeah, for me that was an American porter, so or a robust porter, I guess. Um, I would brew that as my drinking beer, and when I lived in, I lived in like the second story of a walk up. Like I had a garage, and I would go down stairs to the garage, and I would fill up a pitcher of robust porter, and I would take it upstairs, and that's what I would drink. So the first competition I ever entered was with an American robust porter. Um. I won a bunch of times with that one and then stopped entering that one. Why did you stop entering? Because I won every time with it. And it was... Was it because it was a less popular style? You know, honestly, Casey, in 2006, 
like I said, everything was a less popular style. Yeah, and anything that was like home brewed or brewed by a craft brewery was unbelievable. And that's again the whole fat tire brown ale phenomenon. Like everybody getting real, real excited about like a brown ale. Why? Like now people don't care. Now it's you know pastry stout and um, you know the the milkshake sour stuff. And honestly, that stuff will just sit on the shelf sometime. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you've answered the question, like, what size is your most comfortable brewing? But if you really want to win, like, look at, uh, for especially, like, the competition that you're entering, what are the least popular styles in that competition? Yeah, there's there's that, and like I don't know because you're you're, you're really trying to game the system when you're doing competition. You're not wrong. Like it's what it is. So, um, so if there if it's a less popular style, it'll usually mean fewer entries, giving you a leg up that way. But also, judges will be less burnt out on that style. Yeah, I did. I've told this story eight hundred times, but I did a a beer judging thing at the Renaissance Festival when they used to have it. They had Big Veer's Beer Cup. Yeah, yeah, I was going to enter that, and then they stopped doing it. It's, there's a reason why they stopped doing it, and, you you know, it's... We'll talk about it off mic. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> in any case, uh, I had to judge mead one time, and there were, like, eight or nine meads, and so if you do five-ounce samples of 10% mead and you do eight of them, how many ounces is, is that? That's like 40 to 45 ounces. That's, of, a bo- that's two bottles of mead? Yeah. So Straight to the dome? I'm not saying, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> by the time your beer judge gets around to whatever it is. If you're the, if you're the last mead, yeah. you're either going to get a really high score or a really low score. Ideally, you wouldn't have a judge do that many, but, you know, stuff happens. So what are we talking about? Consider a less popular style. Usually means fewer entries, gives you a leg up, and judges, like you said, won't be as burnt out, which is definitely the case. And I don't know how the BJCP would feel about me saying this, but that's just, it is what it is. Um, how hard is the style to brew? Uh, so, yeah, the more complex the process, yeah, the more so if you're doing like a, like a traditional, like quadruple decoction, um, like in your, uh, like goose, like you're, so you're doing a lambic, but you want to blend it like, so you've been aging these for three years and you're doing a goose, like that's a super complex beer versus, like a cream ale, where you have no adjunct or where no no additions, and you have like a single hop addition, and like you're done. Yeah, you should be so lucky to get a judge that could could tell you, oh yeah, this was triple decocted. Nobody can taste that. Nobody can. <laughs> That's why because our malts are so modifi- modified, you don't need to fucking these do days. Yeah, it. even That's a completely other episode. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, and then how big of a batch do you want to brew? Um, like this, so this is really is more on the recipe design, but also you kind of need to understand like, so if you're planning on entering, entering the beer in multiple competitions, you obviously want a bigger batch so you can enter the same beer multiple times. If you're, en- if you're entering or, something like NHC and you have to send it in multiple phases. Yeah, or plan on rebrew and do everything exactly the same as, yep. which take and we're, we're Yeah, we'll get there in the, in the brewing, brewing part of that. I suppose we will. But like that's but we should probably hammer that in every step of this way. Take 
take notes, take notes. Uh, especially like when you have competitions that allow you to um, like there's months between mm-hmm. stage one and stage two. And if you make it to stage two, then you can brew a fresh batch to send in. And IPA is always good when it's two weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks out. Um, so then you design your recipe. And this one, what you want to do is you have the style that you want to brew. Pour over the BJCP guideline front to back. Um, unlike your normal brews, it's imperative that your beer fit style if you want to score well. And fitting style is harder than you think. Um, listen back to our 80 style challenge if you want to hear more about that. But it's so easy to fall out of style in one way or another. Um, and then source the commercial source as many of the commercial examples for that style that, that you can. Because these are what these are the criteria that the judges judges are going to use to judge your beer. Um, and it doesn't matter if you made the best tasting beer that you've ever made, that anybody has ever made, but if it doesn't fit style, you're gonna score low. It just is what it is. Right, Brian? Truly. <clears throat> you check the plug where my battery is connected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's why I wasn't paying attention. Um, and then you want to make an, ori- a, an initial recipe. So kind of make this blind just off the BJCP styles and then start refining it using trusted outside sources. My favorite is Brewing Classic Styles. Uh, yeah, if you don't have that book and you're home brewing, I don't know what you're doing. Yep. Like- uh, use that. Look at it. Um um, and then uh, go to your trusted brewing friends, like either people in your club, um, people or brewers at local breweries that you trust. Um, you can usually tell, like, if I had a recipe that I wanted a wanted somebody to nitpick over, I would bring it to Mike Fredrickson at Pitchfork, mm-hmm. and he would tear <clears throat> it apart ruthlessly. Yep. And then I would thank him for it. And that's fine. Don't feel bad about it because you're gonna brew like 150 more beers, and then we'll all be dust someday. So right? there's that. <laughs> But no, but like that's like find find somebody that you trust that can go over the recipe and like tell you what's wrong and tell you why what you're doing is wrong because that's more important than the this is wrong. Um, and then brew towards the mid high end of the style guidelines. So we're like so on the style guidelines they give you like the range you want to brew towards the middle or the high end. We're talking ABV, mouthfeel, IBUs, that kind of thing. Definitely don't get too out of style though. I have entered beers that were out of I thought wildly out of style <clears throat> and then was was that that's what everyone yep. liked that beer better. Yep. So well and the, the reason you want to shoot high is cuz if you shoot too low the beer can seem weak or light bodied yeah. or something like it's a lot easier to perceive something as lighter yeah. than it is heavier. Is it to style or is it tasty? I don't know. Yeah. It should be both, right? Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's why you want to shoot, like, you want to be, like, firmly in the middle or, like, slightly on the higher end of that middle. Um, now let's brew the beer. Notes. Notes. Fucking notes everywhere. You want to plan and execute this brew day like it's goddamn D-Day. Don't, don't drink until cold side and don't have a bunch of people around if they're going to be a distraction. Yeah, yeah. Especially you normally, brew. Yeah, if you normally brew in a team, like, you guys, you know, you'll get it and you'll be... Working towards competition. Yeah. Uh, you want to make notes every step of the way. Even if you normally don't, this is a, this is the day you want to take notes. Anything weird. What did I say earlier about brewing on, on the coldest day of the year? It was hard to keep the yep. mash ton up to temp. Like, 
consider all of the environmental factors. Um, no missteps, temps, or hopping times. Mm-hmm. This is not the day to be like, oh, I missed this. I missed this thing by like ten minutes. Ah, it's fine if I just throw it in now. That's not like no. Um, and then make sure that everything is meticulously cleaned and sanitized. Brew like you're brewing for the Pope. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is not the time to get lazy about anything. All right, so then taste and test. Sit down um, and taste the characteristics of your beer. Don't, like, not thinking about style or anything. Just write down what you taste, what you feel, whatever, and then look at the style and be like, does this fit? If it doesn't, look for another style. Does it fit in another style? Like, so if you're brewing an American Porter and you're like, well, the body's really high, there's too much roast, yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit American Porter anymore, but does it fit American Stout? Throw it in. You or, might be or does it fit English Stout? Like The one you have on here is American Barley Wine that was supposed to be what? like An IPA. I think you meant a double IPA. Double IPA, but yeah. yeah that, isn't that what a bar, an American Barley Wine is? It's just like a... It's like just a triple a not, IPA. A not very fresh triple IPA. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it is. I, I, I hate throwing stuff out there like that, and I'm hoping you're... I don't know, like, that's like, I'm not saying, tongue in cheek, but, but I'm saying, <laughs> like, it's not far from the truth. It, so. it really isn't. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, um, don't be afraid to shift style. The judges don't need to know that your American barley wine Mm-mm. was supposed to be a uh, double IPA. Not at all. Um, and, like, that, and that's, and that's really, like, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, don't be afraid to change it. Um, and then try to objectively judge your beer using a BJCB style uh, sheet, like... After you've decided, like, this, no, if it's this style, then, like, be honest with yourself. Um, and then have some friends that you trust try it as well and fill out the sheet. Um, and then if you have time, alter your recipe and rebrew. And then do this step again. If you don't, <laughs> then submit it under the best style that you think you can do in. Um, then bottle and ship. If you're bottling from a keg, make sure everything is cold. You want cold bottles. You want a cold counter pressure filler, cold lines. Like the colder everything can be, the better your bottling is going to be. Because as soon as it hits anything warm, it's going to foam. Uh, I learned that from way too much experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ideally you're dropping it off somewhere. Yep, with somebody who's responsible enough to know how to take care of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um make sure you're capping on foam mm-hmm. to reduce O2 pickup. Two. Um and then pack it if you're shipping, package your bottles carefully and make sure they won't break during shipping and if they do break, make sure that they're wrapped enough where they don't leak. Uh, because that will just destroy your entire package instead of just, like, one of your bottles. Um, then ship the package the quickest way you can afford. Uh, the the, sh- the faster it's going from your house to the competition center, the better. Like, dropping it off is better. I mean, is the best. But if you can't do that, like, overnight. Should we, should we disclaim today? here and <clears throat> say that you're not... <laughs> Supposed to ship alcohol. Oh yeah, yeah. These are yeast samples, guys. These are yeast samples. Salsa. 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 Also, if you fill out the forms online, you don't have to disclose what you're shipping. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is there anything less breakable? Poisons. 
What? Nope. 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 Um, and then uh, save a couple of bottles. Uh, so when you're when you're packaging, whatever they whatever they want you to package for the competition, package two more and save those. So when you get your sheet back, you can taste exactly what they tasted. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, this is another another issue. I think besides palate fatigue, the other issue I can think of is uh, having gotten judging sheets back from. Uh, people and they had pulled in uh, like someone who was not BJCP certified into the judging realm. Um, There was like a guest judge and they just didn't have the very specific and arduous training that, um, you know, becoming a BJCP judge includes. Yeah, there's an entire episode we could do on allowing brewers to be judges without any training. Yep, there's that too. So, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, people who are just very passionate about craft beer, meaning they just really like drinking beer, that work in the brewing industry, that somehow end up at a judging table and just very, very definitely shouldn't. I was that person once. I was too. I, uh, yep, I got roped into judging early on in my beer career. And mm-hmm. then I also early on realized I should not be a judge. My well, palate just wasn't there. Or maybe... Maybe now it is. I don't know. It's uh, I still like diacetyl so fucking hard for me to pick up. Some people can't pick it up at all. What What's my best story? The guy that co-owned an English brewery couldn't couldn't perceive diacetyl. I mean, that's like that's the perfect brewery for him to co-own. Yeah, apparently. I mean, it's, it's really weird that you talk about Summit like that, though. I mean, just uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember that guy that got really angry at me, the guy from Summit? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't work at Summit anymore, but like he he spent like a year and a half fuming about some tweet I made and then got really angry and sent me this super angry email. And I basically just went and blocked him on all social media and told him he needed therapy. And he didn't like that either, so he made another big deal out of it thinking that like he could like get after some guy that works for this tiny brewery in the middle of nowhere and it would be like a big deal for everybody. And you know what happened? Nobody cared. Nobody cared. <laughs> it's fucking beer when you, when you get down to it, man. I wonder, I can't remember what that dude's name is. Ah, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. Uh, also, I love Summit and all of their beer. I think like, Summit. They're fantastic. Um, I drink, I'll also, drink a Saga IPA. Uh, is it their their head brewer or co-owner is Who Scottish? Who knows anymore? Oh, yeah. That yeah. was that, that was I remember that, him. Yep, that was that was the joke I was making. But uh, who kno- yeah. who knows anymore what's what's going on with that brewery? Nah, it doesn't really understand. matter. All right. That's uh I guess uh, unless you want to talk on more of the judging side like as far as um palate fatigue and that kind of thing, like how to I I mean en- enter your stuff in a reputable competition. Um you know, learn, learn who is running the competition um, and take everything with a grain of salt. And in the end, if that beer that you've entered and they end up slaying it all to hell and you like it, the hell with them. Keep making it the way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know how many times I've written that down on the judging sheet where I'm like, this isn't to style, but it's an awesome beer. So... If you like this recipe, keep doing it, keep making it. Well, and that's why, like, brewing to style, or I guess brewing for competition and brewing beer, 
I feel like are two different things. Mm-hmm. One is a one is a testament to how well you can brew to fit in a box. Yep. And the other one is a testament to how well you can brew. Truly. Yeah. Uh, like they're they're two different things. Like what what you like to drink, what your friends like to drink are is not gonna be the style. It just isn't. Like if you go if you go to almost any brewery, unless it's like a Gordon Biersch or um, like something like that, you're not going to have beers that fit any kind of style guidelines. Yeah, what are these fruity milkshake beer like that's Well those are specialty IPAs now because that's we, not, we keep we keep building yeah. BJCP categories around this bullshit. That isn't beer to me and I think that the BJCP is doing a disservice to beer if they're adding this kind of stuff. Fucking Gary. So yeah, it you know, take take it all with a grain of salt. Anytime that you put yourself out into the world with literally anything on the internet these days or at a beer competition or anything like this, haters gonna hate. Yep. If you like it, too bad for them, they can move on with their lives and they will. Yep. So But yeah, so but if you're brewing a competition, just re- just remember like don't take liberties with your recipe. Don't be like you'll, don't 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 tweak. Don't don't fiddle. Like stay within the best guidelines. the best way to do this is to enter see what happens, and then adjust and move on. And also, brewing to style is one of the hardest things you will ever do. <sighs> Extreme. It's it's so fucking brew, hard. Get brewing classic styles, brew out of that book, and then see how close you get. And then you're going to be like, what the hell? Trust me, I've done it. Yeah. Like, that book has been around long enough where I've... We brewed. we used it extensively yeah. for our 80 style challenge. Uh, we that, did. Like, that book has been around long enough where I brewed recipes out of it. Out of just out of sheer frustration because I'm like, what is the deal with you know these judges and they're not, you know. So, yeah, brew out of there. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, brewing for competition extremely frustrating. Also extremely rewarding. Like if yeah. you win, it feels super great. If you don't. I don't know. I always say get get temp control, and then your whole world will change. Yeah, I mean, you can make a turbid uh, fucking <laughs> lager, apparently, and it still tastes good. So you can make a lager that looks like a piece of shit, but tastes great. Uh, don't worry, I'm uh, I'm I'm building a new style called hazy lager. Uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> yep. No. Yep. Hazy lager. You guys, you guys want a, ha- uh, a hazel? It's called a hazel now. Uh, <laughs> My God. <laughs> That's right. I'm if gonna... we had any listeners, now we don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start talking to local breweries and start like, I'm going to go hit a, hit a barrel theory and let them know about the hazel. What happened to that brewery, by the way? You don't hear anything about them They're anymore. still around. Yeah, because nobody gives a shit anymore. Oh. True. People are tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I think craft. Like, I, this is completely off topic, but I think craft beer is hitting a um, like a terminus where it's too mainstream now. Like moms have gotten into it, and so now like people are like, mm. and now it's uh, now it's bourbons again. Oh yeah. Well, we're like gonna, all my all my craft beer buddies start from from back in the day bourbon. are like into bourbon now. <laughs> oh, that uh, might be an age thing too, but that could be too. But I'm just like, no, nah, I can't, I can't do that. I still like beer too much, <laughs> too much. All right, all right, should we get out of here? Yeah. All right, guys, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios. <laughs> that, was, that was weird. Um, <laughs> blindnewsstudios.com. 
or no, uh, facebook.com slash blindnerdstudios, or you can follow us on Instagram at blindnerdstudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Hey!